Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I'm recording this in my car because I'm between meetings and I wanted to get this out today because my guest, Haviland Stilwell, actress, singer, activist, is coming out in a movie that premieres on the Sci-Fi Channel tomorrow, August 14th. It's called Santa Jaws. It's a Christmas shark movie in August. You're welcome, America. So we talk all about that uh, in the interview and lots of other things. She's a delight. Uh, but first, I want to get a mention in for You Don't Know My Life. It's the new party game I've created with my friend Jeb Havens. It is sweeping the San Fernando Valley. Everyone that plays it loves it. You should go to our website, youdon'tknowmylifegame.com, and you should pre-order yourself a copy. You will have it in time for the holidays, and here's why you should get it. A, it's super fun. It takes the observation deck type questions that we've developed on this podcast and turns it into a really great game where you get to learn things about the people you're playing with, have a lot of fun, get a little creative when you try to describe their stories, and uh, you bond with people and have fun, but it doesn't feel heavy. It's light and delightful, and I know a lot of people go home for the holidays and they have to talk to people they haven't seen in a while. Maybe they're not on the same page politically. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? People don't even watch the same TV shows anymore. Uh, this is your answer. This is going to bring everybody together in a really fun way. People that love games love it. People that don't love games that much love it. It's a winner, people. And you can get on board. You can be there right there from the get-go. Go to youdon'tknowmylifegame.com. If you're in L.A., come out uh, every Monday night. We're playing at Mod Pizza in North Hollywood. We're going to do it tonight. Uh, 7 o'clock, come. Get some pizza, some drinks. 8 o'clock, we start playing. Everyone's welcome. That's enough of that. Uh, so here, without any further ado, Haviland Stillwell, one of the stars of what I hope is to be a long series on the Sci-Fi Channel, Santa Jaws. Hey there, I'm coming to you from the West Hollywood apartment of my guest today, Haviland Stillwell, actress, singer, activist, goddess, <laughs> dog owner. We've got Fanny here, our little dog in diapers. She is, poor thing. She's sweet, She's tiny. She's four pounds. She's four pounds. Very, very Hollywood. Very She's precocious. Very small. Do you ever carry around in your purse like a Hollywood person? I totally do. You do? Yeah, I love it. I love doing it because she's so small that people often don't even notice her. And right. I'll be like in a store having a full conversation. And then yeah. she'll like stick her little fluffy white head out. And they're yeah. like, oh my God. And they freak out because she's, I mean, literally looks like the, she's like the snuggle bear. She's yeah, so she's cute. Yeah, she's very cute. Very cute. She's been in your life a long time. She has. I love yeah. her. Um, you are in a project that I am very excited about because I heard you talking about it in the spring when you're getting ready to shoot it, and now it's happening. It's a reality. We can all enjoy it and take it in. <laughs> what is this project? This is Santa Jaws. It is not just... <laughs> that's right. That that's title right, Dennis. makes me laugh every time I hear that's it. That's right, Dennis. It's not just a shark movie. It's a Christmas shark movie. It's a and Christmas... And we get to, we don't have to wait till Christmas. It airs in August. It airs right now. Yeah. Well, so on, so it's airing on the sci-fi channel and it's shark week for them starting next week. Okay. Um, at the end of their shark week, they, their final Sharknado is airing. Right. Um, they're done with Sharknado. They're done. I don't believe it. I think they're not going to be done. No, I do. I a hundred percent do. They've like really, I think, you know, I think the cast loves it and they've all, they've lived, they've lived all their shark movie dreams. And I think now it's like, 
I think Sci-Fi is looking for their next franchise. What's the next one? Do you think it could be Santa Jaws? I Jones? think it could be Santa Jaws. So <laughs> fingers crossed if you guys watch and you write into, you know, and write in like we do right. that anymore. And by write in, I mean tweet. tweet. Yeah, whatever. To Sci-Fi um, yeah. and just tell them how much you love it. Then, yeah. you know, we could see, we could get six I Santa Jaws movies. You never I know. I worry, though, that you might not live or die. Like, I don't... You can't say anything about that. What I can't say to anything, you? but I can say I'm hoping there, there are sequels. Right, so, so that's a good saying. sign. Okay, what happens in Santa Jaws? Set this, what can you tell us about the setup? What I can tell you is that it is definitely a family movie, which um, is nice because uh, you can watch it with you know you can watch it with your kids as long as they're not too scared of sharks. Um, but it's also got a lot of like camp and things that's yeah. super fun for adults um, that may go over the kids' heads, which I think will be super fun. Um, that's I feel like that's like a specialty of all my projects. Are yeah. like you can watch it with your kids, but wink, wink. There's some <laughs> yeah. jokes for mom and dad. Right. Um, so basically, there's a um, there's a 14 year old kid who is a comic book artist. That's his right. favorite thing to do, and he draws this comic Santa Jaws. And he's basically trying to get, you know, they've, the way. It already that, makes too much sense for me. I know, that right? Makes, it's already that like, kinda oh, makes yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's actually a good movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. The plot works. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, he basically gets mad, like sort of in a home alone kind of moment. He gets no. mad at his mom and, you know, things happen and magic happens. Right. And suddenly Santa Jaws is killing everyone. So is, is. Santa Jaws is a character. It's a Jaws it's a that's also Santa. Uh, it's it's a shark that. Well, you'll see in the movie. But okay. Yes, Santa has a Jaws is a character. Is a is a character. Right. Yes. Right. 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 It is an actual shark called Santa yeah. Jaws. That's yeah. good because in Jaws the shark isn't called Jaws, but I would always think, oh, here comes Jaws. Right. I mean. But, yeah. Exactly. So yeah. no, this is we're just going for it. We're like, yeah, you're owning it. It's and we're Santa owning Jaws. it. It's Santa Jaws. So I play Georgia, okay. who is the ki- the main kid in the movie's um, new, like his uncle's trophy wife, basically. Okay. So I'm like the new like the cool uh, the aunt, the Step aunt. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the cool aunt who's like come from, and we're like sort of like rich assholes from New York, um, who have come down to Louisiana, which is where this takes place, and. Um, you know, it's Christmas time, and I mean, I just want to, like, get a tan and, like, right. have a good time. And, like, unbeknownst to me, There's mayhem some... ensues. Wow. So, you're shooting this when? In the springtime? Oh, we shot it in February. Was it cold? It or was, was it... so cold, Dennis. It was so cold. And you were on what beaches? We weren't on a beach. We were actually on Lake Pontchartrain. Okay. So, we were on, um, we were, like, in a big, most of it was shot in a big marina. Yeah. Um, right on the North Shore in Lake Pontchartrain. And it's, it was so beautiful. Like, so, so beautiful. But it was very cold for being in a bikini the entire movie. You're in the bikini the entire movie. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, people who fought, because I was kind of, like, doing spoilers on Instagram. Yeah. Not spoilers, but, like, little behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. during shooting. And, like, all my friends were texting me, like, girl, um, are you just literally naked the whole movie? I'm <laughs> yeah. like, pretty much. Yeah. There you go. Was that, does it make you nervous? Or is it like, okay, fine. To be, to like, be, yeah, scantily to be clad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just because people, you know... Yes, because, well, to be totally honest with you, I mean, I was, like, a chubby kid, and so I was made fun of a lot. I was bullied a lot for, like, this is, like, real moment. Um, Right. No, we love real moments. Like, all joking aside, like, you know, I grew up being bullied for, like, my, for my weight and what I looked like and, you know, every, kind of everything about what I was and who I was, so... 
the one thing I could actually always count on people kind of accepting me for was that they thought, okay, well, she's a good actor. She's a good singer. And that's what I could do. That's the only, literally the only thing people didn't make fun of me for. So you thought um, that was your ace in the hole. That was my thing. So, you know, so now being in a position where, um, I'm now playing roles that are really showing their body more. And like, that's actually part of, usually that is often part of the joke. If it's a comedy is like the fact that, I mean, it's hilarious. And we're definitely playing on the stereotype of like, there's a girl in every horror movie who's just barely wearing any clothes and running around in heels. Like it's ridiculous, you know? Um, but even, but even that, like I, I spoke with the costume designer and the director who's a female, who's amazing. Um, the DP and I became super tight. Um, the, the producer is awesome. Like everybody, it was a very respectful set. And like I said, it's a family movie. So even beforehand I said, look, like I don't want like my, I don't want my body hanging out. Like I think, you know, this is a movie that I, I feel like it's a joke that I'm in a bikini, but also like, this isn't about, Oh, it's so sexy. Let me be like in big pasties the whole movie. Like that's not what it's about. And sometimes also you could feel in certain movies, the camera's gaze is, is, is sort of almost lecherous in a way sometimes. And and that creepiness where you're like, Oh, this feels creepy. Yeah. And, and the, the funny, the funny and great thing about it was that like, we kind of all called that out. Yeah. And, um, you know, even like on set, I'd be like, Hey guys, can you let me know if like anything, can you just, just let's be real. And like, they'd be like, um, is she talking like on the walkie They'd be like, is Haviland? And like the male crew members would be like, well, we didn't say anything. We didn't say anything, you know, because they were all so, um, they're so sensitive now, which I think is actually really exciting. I was like, look, like we're all professionals. It is what it is. The scene says she walks out in a bikini. I mean, like it is what it is. Right. So let's just call it out and be like really open about it and make make jokes yeah. about it. And that way, it's like I don't do. I think that you know the the movie isn't about like Haviland thinks she has the best body ever of anybody. That's not the point. Like the point is that we're kind of playing. That could be a sequel though. That could sure. <laughs> Santa Claus too. Haviland <laughs> has an amazing body. <laughs> So, and it has to be like body, why, 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 why. So it's body. Yeah. Um, What was the audition like? I didn't audition for it. Wow. So I, so this was an offer and it was um, really exciting because um, I actually got the offer on my birthday, which was like the coolest birthday present because anybody who knows me knows like I just really, I'm a, I love working. So um, that was the coolest birthday present was that, uh, that I was hanging out and doing fun stuff. And I was with my wife that day and we got a call from my agent and he said, so I've got the cool thing to tell you. And, and he sent me the script and I was like, okay, this, I mean, again, I looked at the title and I was yeah. like, let me just like take a read to make sure it's, you know, not something awful that I have to do or something, but I can pretty much say I'm going to do it. Cause the, the title is so amazing. Yes. So are there times when you are playing, you're in Santa Jaws, but you also kind of have to be real in a way. Like, it's oh, not yeah. going to work if you're not real. So you're, there's moments oh, yeah. where you as an actor are like, I have to somehow ground this moment. Well, for sure. I mean, that's the the best thing about comedy is that it's based in truth, right? right. So, you know, even even like, I mean, yes, you know, there's, there's a scene where like I'm very, very distraught because, right. you know, something really awful has happened. I'm sure you guys don't have any idea what that is in a shark movie, yeah. but I'm very distraught and I run in. And of course, like 
Now, describing the scene, my hair is crazy. I'm wearing a bikini and, you know, short shorts and very high heels. And I'm like freaking out. So the, the circumstances are for the viewer funny. From but for me as the actor, it's like, oh, this thing that's very traumatic and upsetting just happened. And so there is a reality of you that. Have to play like, the truth. Yeah, if that happened, like, that's reality. Now, in my mind, also, I know, like, the genre that we're in is a shark movie. Right. It's kind of a satire. But also, like, it is real. I mean, there's yeah. there's what's... One thing I like about this movie is that there is such a family dynamic of it. Yeah. You know, there's a really sweet relationship with the the main kid in it who's played by Reed Miller, who's um, also on another show called... Um, a girl named Joe, I think, on the Brat Network, the new like digital network, um, and he's really great. I mean, the actors in it are so great, and uh, his grandfather in it is played by Richie Montgomery, who's like just a seasoned character actor. He's been in like a hundred movies yeah. at least. He's probably gonna write me and be like, "It's three hundred and four, you know. Mm. But he's they, you know, they have such a great like sweet relationship that like even though it's a total like riot of a film and it's right. just so funny and I feel like people who love it are gonna like really love it and it's gonna be like a cult hit or whatever. But also there are really sweet moments that I think are like, oh wow, that's they're having like that's real happening. relationships, you know. What's something you had to do physically where you're like, I can't believe I'm here doing this? Was it a lot of physical uh, stuff? Yes. Um, I had to I had to do my first like real stunt, which was um, involved being in the water. And the water was freezing. It was literally like 30-something degrees. So I had to work with a stunt coordinator. Because a lot of people for this who, were, who got in the water wore wetsuits. Um, because, you know, they were, everyone else in the film was fully clothed. Right. Um, so they could kind of like wear a wetsuit under their, under their clothes. And it, you know, it was still really cold, but like a wetsuit makes it a lot better. So, um, you know, I couldn't wear that. And also like, I am kind of a small person, so it hit, it hit me a lot harder. Um, but the stunt coordinator is this amazing guy, Danny Cosmo, who's like a rock star. He kind of is like the leading like stunt coordinator in the Southeast. And he was so awesome and cool and like walked me through everything, told me exactly what to expect. And I mean, I'm kind of, I'm in that way. Like I'm kind of just a champion as far as like, all right, let's get, I want to get the shot. So like, what do we need to do to get the shot? So that like, tell me everything the first time so I can try and get everything the first time. And then if we need to go back, we need to go back. So, um, so that was really cool, and I felt I was super nervous about it, but I did it, and I felt like very. Um, it was it one was take. Totally you have to do it again. One take, yeah. There you go. One take. One take. You get out of the freezing cold water. What do you do? You run into a towel. Well, run, run, I run, couldn't run, run. breathe. So, like when you hit the water, yeah. that you you it actually knocks the wind out of you. So I I jumped in. I do the scene, um, but I had been told like, okay, so scientifically, if you stay in the water for I think it was like six minutes, mm-hmm. you could start dying. Yeah. Literally, they tell me. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. And the scene itself is like, you know, 15 seconds or whatever. Right. So I'm like, all right, I got to go in. And they're like, at whatever point you need to get out, you say you need to get out. So I played the scene. I did the whole scene. And then I was, I mean, I really was surprised at like how, I mean, I'm a singer. I have very good like sort of knowledge of my breath and use right. of my breath. And I could, I really couldn't breathe. So I was like, oh, they were, they weren't joking They were around. not joking. Wow. Um, so I, I got out and the, I mean, they had like, you know, they had towels, they had a warming jacket, they got me into a, um, to a trailer that was super close and I like caught my breath and then I went and got in a like hot shower. Yeah. So that was the, 
the um you're a badass is the point i'm a badass Dennis. Yeah. i can do any but then of course like the this um cosmo the stunt coordinator he's like damn girl like you gotta be a stunt girl now like i gotta get you and i was like um pretty sure like i think doing like a couple of stunts as a character if it's like oops i fell and it's right. like whatever but if it's like and then i jumped off a burning building like yeah. pretty sure that's not gonna be me but you never know i could be i could You're be a uh, I, could be, I could be a superhero yeah. also there you go so. have you seen the film has it? Have you seen? The I finish? have not gotten to see it dying? yet. I'm I told dying Matt to we should it. watch it. Matt, we know Matt. Yes. Sorry, we have a friend in common. It's how I know you. Yes. He has his backyard situation with. I think that this is screaming out. I think we're gonna for do a dive-in movie. I think we're gonna do a dive-in movie. Yes, yeah. for sure. The cast is getting together like at, yeah. on the the night that it premieres, um, and we're gonna actually watch it at one of the cast yeah. members' pools, which which will be super fun, and I'm sure like blowing up our social media and yeah. just having a good time with it. But I told, uh, I told, I mean, I'm like, let's do, let's do screenings all week. Let's yeah. just keep watching let's Santa Jaws. <laughs> and I feel like it needs to come back around at Christmas time too. I think, I mean, I'm sure it will because. Is it weird doing Christmas in February? Is there's all this trees and stuff around? It was, I mean, it was, but also like actors are used to that. Yeah. It's like, you, you're always like, it's summer, but we're wearing coats yeah. and it's freezing outside and we're wearing yeah. like flip flops. It's just always like It's that. not any weirder than having a Santa Jaws character. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, you also did some awesome stuff on Broadway on yes. the Great White Way. Les Miserables. Yes. The Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. I the know it's Fiddler. not, I know it's not called The Fiddler, the Fiddler. on the Roof. Everything is the now. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you did a live show with me, the um, You Don't Know My Life live show, you told this amazing story about when you were in Fiddler. What was the like the prank that was played on oh, you yeah. on stage? Yes. I still kind of can't believe that happened. I know. Well, I, w- I was doing it with Harvey Firestein, who right. was so delightful to work with. Um, and... You know, the way the show was directed, like, it was a really, like, almost Chekhovian, like, very intimate piece. We had literally real, real birch trees on stage. Yeah. And we had, the the stage was built of wood that was antique from Russia. I mean, it was right. very legit, you know. Yeah. And so everybody was very serious, excellent. Everybody was, like, Steppenwolf actors and all these great people. So Harvey comes into the show and, like, gave it just a comic jolt, which was which was a jolt, but was so much fun. Yeah. So we're doing, um, I was a little baby. I was like 21, I think. And I was playing Grandma's Idol in the dream scene. You can yeah. still hear it if you go to iTunes and look up the, that, the 2004 revival. Um, right. And you'll hear us. Um, and I'm doing the scene, and he's Tevya, and I'm Grandma. And I come right up to him, and he's got this sort of mischievous grin on his face. I'm like, what, what is going on? Why is he, what's, like, why is he looking at me like that? And, but I'm in the middle of singing. I have, there's 1,700 people in the audience and there's two spotlights on me. So, right. and also when you're 21 and you're doing a job like that, you always think like you're going to get fired if you right. do anything wrong. Like yeah. you've got to really be professional, you, you know? screw up. No. And, um, so he put, he kind of, suddenly I feel something in my hand. He's put something in my hand and he like is just holding back laughter. And I look down and it's like a two foot long rubber chicken, like a huge rubber chicken. <laughs> And I'm like in the middle of singing, and I look at him, and my subjects behind my eyes is like, "What the fuck, man?" Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then, like, then everybody around us, Andrea Martin was next to him in the bed, who's so funny. Yeah. And she's like, everybody's just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. So I had to play the whole like five minute scene, all of the dancing. Fruma Sarah comes in, the whole thing, like with a two foot rubber chicken. 
which is not period. Which is not early period. 1900s. You're just holding it. Just holding it. Did you it. ever put it under your arm? I kind of like hit a, it. Like a book? I kind of hit it. Like, I sort of had to, my, my dress, like, kind of nightgown situation yeah. was so large that I sort of, like, put it under the nightgown and kind of, like, tried to hide it and sort of used it. But, I mean, I had a cane and I had, I was like, dude, come on. But it was so funny and it sort of forever made me love him more. So. Did you ever get him back? No, I'm so not like I'm not a prankster. I'm not either. I don't. I'm, I don't love it. I don't love it, but I I I enjoy when people yeah. do it in a in a lighthearted way. So right. I like it because I will now forever have that story. That's but, a great story. Um, and I love him so much. I think he's just such an incredible person that you know it's like especially for people like that who are activists and who have have done so much for like the gay community and if they have a great sense of humor also yeah. I'm like I'm down let's do it and he chose you that means that he thought of. He thought he you could chose, handle it. I mean, you guys, he I don't want to brag, <laughs> but um, Harvey Firestein gave me a rubber chicken on yeah. stage, so obviously I'm really special. But, it's, but he says that you could roll with it. Like, he thought you would Yeah, I would be cool. I, would be cool. I yeah. wasn't going to freak out or whatever. What yeah. was, like, a pinnacle of the Broadway moment for you when you were first trying to do it where you're like, holy smoke, I am living this Broadway dream? Um, I think probably the first time I went on... Um, as Fontaine um, in Les, Les Mis. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, I was, I started as an understudy. And so, you know, with that, the first time that you go on in your full costume with full lights, full microphone, yeah. everything is usually the first time you're on. I mean, you don't really get to rehearse with all the elements in place. Right. And with a show like that, you know, the corset is very specific. The way the mic is very specific. The revolve, if you've ever seen Les Mis, yes. you know, there's, it's re- on a revolving stage the entire show. So, all of those elements are um, tricky to kind of figure out. So I think it was really cool because I just thought I was so nervous beforehand of like thinking I'm, I'm a total perfectionist, which completely gets in my way as an artist a right. lot of times. Right. Um, and I just thought, you know what? Just play the character. Um, trust your scene partners. I mean, this is all very actory talk, but this is true. You know, trust the people you're on stage with that they've got you and they know what they're doing and just, like, look at them in the eye and play the scene and be this character and have, and, and like, you know, not just, like, have fun with it, but just be in it. And that yeah. is fun. So, um, be, you know, be present, right. as they say. Um, and I think that was really cool because it's, like, that moment, you know, when, you know, right as she dies, you know, um, and she reaches out for Cosette. And I think that moment was like, you know, I just looked out and it's like so many people are so moved by that show and, you know, tears and you could hear people like, <gasps> you know, and crying. Yeah. And it's just, it's, that was a real experience. Cause I thought, okay, we're really sharing a collective experience here. And you know what, however I'm reflecting that through my voice and what I'm doing here, that's great that I'm Making everybody cry. <laughs> yeah, you're part of it. You're part of this moment. No, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah. it, theater is a very theater is a collective experience, yeah. and, it, and it is audiences. If they're not in the industry, don't necessarily know that like they how much they are contributing to the theatrical moment the that's happening. Yeah. You know, they think, okay, I'm sitting back and watching it, but it's like, no, you're actually when you're there, like your energy is feeding the performers and feeding that particular performance. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's one of a kind. Um, what's Fontaine's big songs? 
her song. Her big song is I Dreamed a Dream. I Dreamed a Dream. Yeah. So she was Anne Hathaway in the movie. Yes. I don't I get a little confused sometimes. Yeah, I understand. That's a great song though. It's a great song. That's a big one. You know, the tigers, they come at night. They do. They do. Those fucking tigers. Oh my gosh. What's it like to do a curtain call on a Broadway show and the audience is loving you? It's so Doesn't it feel fun. great? It's right? So Doesn't it feel really good? Fun. Yes. It's it's really fun. I mean, the first time um the first time I did it was in Fiddler and it was, you know, I just remember like all of us were looking at each other on stage and there were so many people who were making their Broadway debuts and we were all freaking out and also just the the Broadway vets who were in the show were loving it and we're ha- it was just such it's such a positive experience. It's all this energy coming at you. Yeah, it really is. So, and and before that I always felt kind of weird about a curtain call cuz I kind of felt like Oh, I don't want to be like, oh, yay, look at me, like right. praise me. Or, you know, it just felt really weird. But at this point in my life, I'm like, you know what? It's not really about the actor. It's actually about the audience, like, breathe, like, okay, whew, all right, we just went through that experience. Yeah. And now we can kind of relax and, like, and sort of adapt back into real yeah. life. Um, so it's really more of a, like, a way for them to it's a way for both parties to express gratitude to each yeah. other. Like, thank you. You know, we, the audience is saying that was awesome. Thank you for taking us on that journey. Yeah. And the actors are saying like, thank you for being here. And now great. I'm transitioning back into like me as a person and not yeah. as this character. And now I can go like take off my wig yeah. and be on my way. Go get a sandwich. <laughs> it always blows my mind when an actor looks different in the curtain call than they did in the show and they didn't change anything in terms of their costume or their hair or anything. Mm-hmm. They're, they just carry themselves different. It seems yeah. like a different person. It blows my mind when I see that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about that, but yes, yeah. absolutely. I always like to. I also like to look at how they interact with each other, like in the curtain call. Yes, like who's friends and you, you can, can tell. Kind of... <laughs> yeah, you can tell and like who's like who's like chummy with each other yeah. and like uh, yeah, that's always really fun because that that is true that and. This does not always happen in TV and film, although I love it when it does. And it did happen with Santa Jaws, thank God. But, you know, where um, Santa where Jaws, one word close. or two word? Two. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Your cast? We're, yeah, we're a close cast, so yeah. that's fun. But I think it that'll, that more often happens in theater because, you know, you're just in a small space with people yeah, for course. a longer time. You know, you're running around in, like, wig caps and, you know... Sharing dressing rooms yeah, to get very close. Yeah, crazy. What went into the decision to move to L.A.? Um, you know, I was just... I feel like the thing I love about New York is the energy. Right. And um, I moved there for college. And, uh, you know, I went to NYU. And then I, I started working on Broadway right after, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but I think if you're... I think I was so on the grind all the time, like, working. I'm, I am somebody who... Honestly, if somebody is not like, Haviland, stop, let's have a meal, let's watch TV, I will just keep going. And um, I think when you're in New York, that's encouraged. It's like, you don't need to eat, you don't need to sleep, keep going, keep going, you know. And I think it can kind of burn you out a little bit. So there I was in like my early 20s being like, wow, I'm going to burn out like (laughs) at, you know, 23 or whatever. So... Um, I was actually, uh, I, we had just closed Les Mis, right. and so I was out auditioning, and I just wasn't finding a lot of joy in my auditions and in 
what I was doing. And I'm like, this sucks that I'm like auditioning for leads in Broadway shows and I'm not like super stoked about it. Right. And that's not right. And I recognize that like that's weird. Right. So um, I was at the gym with one of my best friends, Craig Ramsey. And um, he said, what do you think? Um, what, what do you think about trying out LA a little, you know, for a little while and just seeing I was like, yeah, honestly, I feel like I'd love to do more TV and film and just kind of go back and forth a little bit, but but I feel like we need to, to make a change in order to make that happen. He said, yeah, let's do it. So I, um, he and I moved out together. And I really, feel like I know him, or I met him through Matt, and he was do. on a reality show, right? He is. He's, okay. um, so we met in Fiddler. He's right. an amazing singer and dancer, actor, um, and he has now become a big social media influencer, and he's a fitness expert, and he trains, like, a whole bunch of celebrities and is on, like, 900 Bravo shows. He's right. on, like, you turn on Bravo, and you're like, and there's Craig Ramsey. He's so, a bravo liberty. He's a bravo liberty for okay. sure. Um, but he's also, like, a legitimately wonderful man who's super funny, and, like, shout out to Craig Ramsey. I mean, honestly, if there's any gay men listening to this, yeah. which I feel like there are, they're going to be like, obviously I follow Craig because he's right. just so beautiful and lovely. Right. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So he was the one that kind of put in the, the idea. Of yeah, I mean, I'd been thinking about it, and I always liked it out here. But that's that's how it happened. What so, was it like when you first came out here? Oh, on the way out here, literally on the plane, he goes, "Oh, um, you know that place I said we could stay for like a month before we kind of figured out." And I go, "Yeah, yeah." So are we just because it was like a friend of his? Yeah, we're are we just um, you rented a car? We're just gonna go be there tonight and stay for about a month yeah yeah um so it fell through <laughs> we're on the plane Dennis like and as I said I'm oh a perfectionist right. I'm somebody who so I'm a perfectionist now a few years ago I was like so uptight right I mean I'm saying this like in all honesty and I was just like what and it was like every every panic panic attack right full-on like what am I doing what have I done I'm literally flying over like Utah right now right. and all my things on my apartment, all my friends, everything is in New York. Right. What am I doing? Um, and you know, and he was like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, and so, you know, you know, look, we figured it out and it's part of the story and it's super fun. But, um, you know, the first, the first couple of years, like going back and forth between LA and New York were very rough and I went through rough things and, you know, um, but I think also like that's life. Everybody goes through that stuff. But yeah. in order to um, to do what you want to do at the highest level that you want to do it at, you have to take risks. You yeah. know, you have to like take risks that maybe at the time don't feel super comfortable to you. Right. Uh, where did you meet your wife? We met at a gig that I was singing at. Um, okay. I I was doing so. There's a there's a thing in West Hollywood called Musical Mondays. Yes, of course. And I, uh, Ryan O'Connor used to host it when right. it was at what's now, uh, it used to be called Eleven. Now it's Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, right. So when it was at Eleven and Ryan was hosting it, I, um, I used to sing there pretty often. They right. book, they basically, it's a musical theater night and they book uh, a Broadway performer to come and do a set, a live set, in addition to like all the videos and stuff yeah. all night. So it's super fun, and it was my first time singing. I had just come out here. It was my right. first time singing there, and it, my first time meeting Ryan, who's now a good friend. Um, so evidently he had said, uh, he had told her, because he went to school, they went to Circle right. in the Square together. So he had told her, you, you need to come, uh, you need to come see this, this girl tonight. And she was recently out of a relationship, and she's like, uh, I don't know. And he said, no, 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 I, I just met her today. She's, she's your wife. 
Really? Yeah. He said that. Yeah. And like, and like, he isn't that type. He's right. like not a super matchmaker. He didn't have a, he's a, not another like, coffee an hour later and no, he said the same thing. No, like he's, that's not his vibe, you <laughs> right. know? But, and she was like, shut up, whatever. Um, she looked me up and she was like, she's not my type. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> Which is my favorite part of the story. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so I didn't know any of this, obviously. I just met Ryan that day at Soundcheck, you know? Right. Um, now this real, the true story is that I was in a relationship at the time. So, which like he kind of knew, but he, I think he just honestly, something in him was like, I need to introduce them. They need to know each other. And I feel like they're meant to be together at some point. Now, like I, you know, was so new to LA and was very going through what I was going through and whatever. And, um, so what ended up happening was that we became really good friends. Right. Um, and we were, like, best friends for a couple of years before anything happened, um, which was, you know, ended up – obviously, I had to get out of the relationship I right. was in. But it was cool because none of that time was like – like, I didn't know about that story about, like, this is your the wife or whatever really? until we were dating. Like, That's I didn't amazing. know that. When yeah. he told you that, it was, did it blow your mind a little bit? Yes. Yes. It totally wow. blew my mind. So um, – but there were a lot of things, you know, I think – I think if we're listening and we're watching, we are being given signs all the time. We're being given, like, loud, screaming, very obvious signs at every turn. We just have to be open to actually receiving the message. Wow. All right. I'm thinking about all the signs I might have missed on the way here. Yeah. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. Tons don't, and tons. You know, don't turn right on red. There you go. You when know. you, when it's, how did it go to romantic? Was it, like, a mutual <laughs> thing that had just happened, or did somebody, like... Did somebody have a talk? How um, do you make that shift? It just kind of shifted. It just yeah. was kind of like the right time, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think you're, I think you have to be um, in a space where you're, where you're like available. Yeah. And I don't just mean like, like logistically available. Like, right. um, you know, obviously like both of us were single, both of us were, but I think emotionally available and like all of the things that, that come up with that. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, People ask me now about this kind of stuff with, you know, when they have like unrequited love or crushes yeah. on their friends or something. And I'm, I'm always just like, don't, you can't force anything. You know, you, you have to just, if you really love somebody and you really care about them, you have to, you have to go at a, at a you have to go at their pace. And, but also you have to be true to yourself too. Right. So, you know, you can't, you can't like, you know, suffer in silence or whatever forever, but. Um, now Reed does creative things as well. She's a writer. Yes. 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 She's very creative and awesome. And, um, is, she's a screenwriter and she used to run Jada De Laurentiis's company. Um, so worked for, with Food Network and, right. um, she's, is an amazing cook and is all things creative. So, um, she's just one of those people who's always kind of doing something really amazing and creative. So I feel like there's there's so many things to come that like the world doesn't even know about her yet. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Where did you get married? In Savannah, Georgia, which nice. is where I grew up. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a beautiful place. It is. It's very beautiful. What was it like growing up in the South and, and being gay or coming to terms with that stuff? Was it challenging or uh, what was it like? Well, I think, I mean... I think it's challenging growing up in anywhere, anytime. anywhere, as, a, anywhere yes. as anything at any time. Right. Um, like I mentioned before, like I was definitely bullied. Um, and I wasn't even bullied for being gay really because I didn't, I wasn't necessarily out or, I mean, I didn't really know what gay even was. I just right. knew 
that I, I knew I did it. I did a show um, when I was a play when I was like maybe 12 or 13 called Straight from the Heart. And um, I'm still friends with lots of people I did that show with because they're just, it's some of, it was in Atlanta and it's some of Atlanta's like most incredible, still the actors who are there now. Um, and the show was a benefit for AIDS right. and um, AIDS research. And I learned so much. My mother was um, a, is a casting director and was yeah. always in the arts. And so a lot of her friends were, you know, were gay. And I kind of like knew what what gay was and I knew what HIV was and I knew all of this. But I didn't really know because I was a kid. So right. I didn't really make a connection to stuff. Um, but in that show, there were, you know, real live adult lesbians and I right. had never I had never been aware that I saw that so that was kind of my like ring of keys moment if right. you guys are fans of, of fun yeah. um, it was my ring of keys moment which um, you know there's <laughs> it's funny I'm um, I have boxes and boxes of journals that I kept all through growing up and I'm actually like figuring out right now I'm I'm putting them together in, in some sort of a compilation to publish because I think this question comes up a lot of like, what was it like being gay growing up in the South and, um, you know, growing up in the nineties and it was kind of this very, you know, that time was with so many tumultuous things happening, but also the Clinton era and like, yeah. it was, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. And I think that I have an interesting point of view. So, um, so look for that. I will, I'll I come back on that. your show when that. I'm, when I'm talking about my, right. my book series. So you, you mentioned the ring of King Mo moments it's a song from fun home where a young girl kind of clicks with this you know when you saw that show and that heard that song did it speak did, did oh, it just yes. devastate you oh, i just like cried and cried and yeah. um uh beth malone and judy kuhn um who were in it were are friends of mine I actually judy was a fontine that i understudied in lane right. and and beth is you know a lesbian on broadway and we yeah. all know each other you guys you know right. what i mean so <laughs> um no actually beth and i were up for a movie and we were going to be lovers in the movie and I'm still like dying to play opposite to her. I think like we're always like, when are we doing a project together? She's amazing. Um, but no, I, yes, I saw that, that show and it was like, it was so, I mean, even though the specific circumstances of it, of, of her story in it are different, for, you know, they're specific to her, but there's so many things of like the ring of keys moment of just going, um, you know, if you guys haven't haven't seen it or heard it, I would highly recommend listening to it because it's it's really just especially for for gay people that we don't we didn't necessarily know like growing up you didn't know from birth like oh this is me and I'm like that person. Right. So it's it's that moment that all of us I think have had on some level of you know when you're I don't know however old for me it was I was about twelve or thirteen and just seeing somebody where you go, oh, I'm like that. Yeah. I'm like, I I don't really even know what that is, right. but I know that you I can't put it into like words. that I'm that not like it's not a romantic thing. It's no. like a recognizing thing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I use with Reed and I use the word a lot like recognize. You're actually yeah. like your brain changes because mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay. And something kind of clicks in. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed in your bio that you sent me, activist is part of it. Yeah. It's important for you to speak out about these things. And yes. to, has it been a factor in your career being Very so outspoken? So. Very much it so. It has been. Yeah, yeah. In what ways? Um, I mean, I think since, since really I did Straight from the Heart, that was yeah. kind of the beginning of it. Like, um, the, uh, uh, the Olympics were coming to Atlanta at one point, And I, I was on like the Olympics out of Cobb 
coalition, which was a you know coalition to get like Cobb County. This is a very specific Georgia thing, but right. it kind of is similar to so many things going right. on now. Um, so you know, twenty years place. later. But yeah, at the at the time, you know, the county that many of the Olympics were going to be were happening in had written an uh, ordinance that said basically we don't allow gay people to live here and you're not welcome here and Holy we can smokes. I mean it was very explicitly like we literally don't yeah we don't welcome your kind here kind right. of a thing and basically it was like uh, no that's well then you don't get the Olympics you don't get the financial benefit right. if you're gonna say uh, you're, that a whole group of Americans and and visiting people from other countries are not allowed here, then no thank you. You don't yeah. get the financial benefit of that. Right. You certainly don't get the divers. Exactly. exactly. Hell no. <laughs> no. And the softball players? No, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I was just like a little kid, and I was like, Mommy, I need to go to this march, you know? So, And I was making calls for them and doing all this stuff. So to me, um, and, and by the way, they were taken out of Cobb County. We we, we did it, and that was cool because they because getting a call at age like 11, 12, however old I was, from you know one of the head organizers at that saying, "Haviland, congratulations, we did it, and you were a big part of that." Was oh my gosh, um, was really validating to me as a as a young girl and saying, "Oh, actually, this work that I did for this very specific thing, actually, there were actual results. I can do things. I can do stuff. Yeah, and and so." Um, I always felt I just always felt compelled to to do my part, I guess, you know, as cheesy as that sounds, but especially now that I do have a public a public platform and you know that I am very much I mean, I'm just living my life. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect or I'm better than anybody or anything like that. By any means I have plenty of flaws. Um but but my my whole thing is just like I love like I said I love working I want to be in all the movies and all the TV shows and do all the good work um, but ultimately I am more than happy to be the poster child of activism as far as using your voice to rise up and to right. affect positive change and my God Dennis like we need it we need everybody for right sure. now all hands on deck but it would be easy for somebody in your position to say you know what I'm just going to focus on the work and keep a low profile until I'm like. You know, a little older and a little more established, and then I'll try to make a difference. Yeah, but that's just not my. And my I admire vibe. that. You could have mm-hmm. picked a different thing. You could have said, you know, this is all about uh, creating a certain image and 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 keeping, you know, not making any waves at all. But I, I really admire that. Yeah. Has, has I, it ever been a factor in casting, or has anyone ever told you? I was just, I just, I asked because I just interviewed uh, a writer who was also an actor when he was starting out. He had this manager that was super interested in representing him and watched some of his films, short films and student films and things, and then uh, was all about it, and then watched another one after they had already connected and talked about working together where he played a gay character and did a gay kiss, and it was radio silent. It was, it was like he had died to this person that wanted to represent him. This was a while ago, but yeah. it was like, oh, it, it, it kind of makes my blood boil a little. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. Um, yeah. You I know, think it's changing, but it's I'm changed. still wondering what the temperature's like out there now. Well, at the same time all of that was happening for the guys, for the girls, um, my experience was that it was an asset, and um, in a gross way. Uh, I turned <laughs> You know what on. I mean? Oh, yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, you should use that. You should, like, you should use that to, like, you know, and I'm like, mm, use it, like, 
yeah. Did you see Wild Things with Denise Richards? I obviously. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Obviously. And that's, that's what I mean. And they were but just they like, wanted oh, to hot lesbians, yeah. hot lesbians sell. You know, gay guys don't sell. I no. mean, that's what they were. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, this is this is a dated um, thing. So at this point, when I hear anything like that now, which isn't really, it really isn't prevalent anymore right. um, in in Hollywood anyway, on, on kind of a, a mainstream level. But when I hear stuff like that, I just straight up make fun of people. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, 1985 called and wants their opinion back. Yeah. Like, just just straight up, like, educating people and, and making them aware of. Yeah. Because um, I, I... And how are you supposed to use that? Are you supposed to go into an audition and be sort of... Well, exactly. And like it's a what, gimmick. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's a gimmick. Like I'm like, so I was with my lesbian lover this morning, right. and she said to me, she says, yeah. you know, like what? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. Um. I. You know, is it a factor in like in I guess me not having been cast in something? I mean, maybe. Who you knows? Just don't know. you we don't never. Know. We never know that kind of yeah. stuff. You know. But I can say it has been um, being out and. Um, and just living my life truthfully has been one of the blessings of my life so far. Honestly, yeah. just being able to like be who I am, live my life, marry who I want to marry, um, and you know, and 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 I think help other girls and boys to do that for yeah. themselves. I think like uh, um, confidence is viral. Yeah. And so if you're if if you're just living your life and doing your thing, and other people see that, you know. I've had people say like, oh, you know, it helped me to come out when I was able to show my mom your Instagram and yeah. say like, I follow this girl, like she's a lesbian, she's a gay woman. And their moms go, oh, well, she doesn't look threatening to me. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't look like some, like she looks like something I, okay, my daughter could live that life. Right. You know what I mean? Just, just, just providing you hear examples. Back. You hear feedback like that. Yeah. That and must that, be gratifying. That is the best thing ever. What are some of the specific, or if you have one that comes to mind, of somebody reaching out? I mean that that was that was one that. And it's through social media that they. It's usually through send social through, through social media's yeah. usual, unless it's like you know, um, there's a big event that happens and uh, called Clexicon, and I went this year, and it's it's basically for um, you know queer women in media, um, and so it's kind of half the people there are creators and half are fans, and you know that was just like a big love fest of of people saying, you know, this and that. I mean, the thing is what's cool is that like we as as creatives get just as much if not more than fans do. You out know, of the experience, like, out yeah. of the exchange. I mean, that's that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel anytime I hear any positive feedback on my work or on what I'm doing that helps people, I mean, that's of course. Like we want to know that we're doing a good job. Like yeah. you want to hear, you know, like I, I think of it like we want to hear like good boy like we're yeah. uh, we're all like little puppies right. we're all little puppies who need validation sometimes yeah. you know and of course like we don't want to live our lives like seeking validation from everybody you know and all of that but but it sure is nice when you when a little chunk of it lands exactly um, were there portrayals or shows or things that resonated for you when you were coming up that spoke to you that was like that kind of made you feel like okay there could be a place for me Murphy Brown number really? one Murphy Brown yeah. Um, she was no nonsense. She was no nonsense. I heard that she used to used to not know her lines very well and would hide post-its in coffee cups. So the next time you watch Murphy Some Brown and if she has a coffee him. cup, there may be an entire script in there. Post-its. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I They're say rebooting. Candace, uh, they are so rebooting it. How bad you want so to be on, on that set? I can't even 
tell you how bad I want to be on that set. I know, like, you could play something I, in the office. Oh, I can play, I will play anything yeah. on that set. Like, I can't even tell you. What, it's what was dream. it about Murphy Brown? So, I love Candace Bergen. I think she's a badass. I love strong women. And at that time, like in the 90s, doing the things and saying the things, I mean, now it's like we could probably look back and be like, well, what's the big deal? Like she was just like a news reporter. She's like Rachel Maddow or Stephanie Rule or, you know, any of the Savannah Guthrie, like any of these other people. It's like, right, but that was not, that was like so, the things that they were talking about as far as women being able to have a baby on their own. Yeah, the start of the culture war. Yeah, women being paid equally, women being producers on a network, like all of those things were so unheard of at the time that it was just like, you know, Candace Bergen, who was like so smart and so powerful and so sexy and beautiful, all of those things, um, I think it was just incredibly inspiring to me and and, um, I just, I loved it. You'd watch it every week, you'd be all about it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, would like beg to stay up for it. Like I was little, you know, but yeah, I was, I loved Murphy. So I would say she was probably my number one. And then I would say the other two that, you know, I would watch reruns of and stuff like, uh, would be obviously Golden Girls and Designing Women. Yeah. So I'm going to, I mean, Sugar Bakers all day long. Yeah, for sure. That can be the name of this particular episode of this podcast. (laughs) What did the L word, would the L word do anything for you? You know, yes. I mean, I, I mean, obviously a show about a whole bunch of gay women, um, is great and that it, that it was created by a gay woman and you know, all of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it made a huge difference for as far as visibility and I'm never going to, I'm never at this point in my life going to talk about about any show negatively that yeah. is it, that is bringing more visibility to the gay community. I think at the time that it was on, it was like the only thing right. that gay women had. It was it. That was it. Yeah. So it came under a lot of scrutiny because any show like that, you know, everyone in the community is looking for it to be the representative of yeah, every they, single they, they person. They need to see themselves, yeah. And you know what? Every show can't be a like one show cannot represent every single person in the world. It just can't. So, you know, I think I think at this point we're we're blessed to have a lot more diversity and um, just even in numbers, just more shows and more representation of um, of queer characters and like different kind of women and all of that. Um, you also do a lot of voiceover in your career. Yes. What's some of the cool stuff that people might have heard your voice on or not even realized it? Um, I play Raquel on Barbie Life in the Dream House. So that you are in the Dream House. I'm in the Dream House. When you're recording that, do you imagine yourself in a Barbie Dream House? Yeah. Is that the, you set the scene in your head? Yes, I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I played with Barbies growing up. Love it. Still have all of them. Obsessed. It's like the only thing that I kept from growing up. Yeah. Literally is like, I have dresses from when I was a baby girl because my mom had them designed for me different story, different time, but she did. So I have those dresses and I have a box of Barbies and those are my things from childhood. How does Rachel talk? It's Raquel. Raquel. Oh my God, Dennis. Raquel would be so mad at you. This is how she talks. And she's like, oh, Barbie. I'm Raquel. That's how she talks. She's snotty. Um, she's Barbie's frenemy as they call her. Right. So I, so I, uh, that show ended, um, but is going to live online and on Netflix forever. I love and, it. Um, and then coming up, I'm on a new show that's that just came out um, and is new episodes releasing, I think, every week now called Screechers Wild. And I play kind of like uh, Lucy from Peanuts, but nice. now um, her name is Anne, and she's very bossy and fabulous. 
and um, a show called Miraculous, yeah. which uh, is running right now, and I do a recurring role on that starting uh, later this fall that'll be on Netflix, um, which is super fun, and she's kind of like the Miranda Priestly kind of Vogue editor type. Right, and this is all voiceover, cartoons. This is stuff. all cartoons, and fun. I do, yeah. So I do, I do a lot of stuff in that yeah. world. Now, Mazarle, our friend, seems to rem- he, I seem to remember him saying that you were uh, in one in some of the crowd stuff in Magic Mike. Is that true? I was. I did. I did a role in Magic Mike yes. XXL. Yeah. So I had to do a, a, a very one. steamy, yes, a yeah. very steamy dance scene with Matt Bomer, which was lovely. He's super nice, right? He's the nicest. Tell me there's something wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. Nothing? He's perfect. Does he have bad penmanship? Nothing. Really? Everything's good. Everything's no, good. No, literally, As like, advertised. Literally, I could not have been closer or more up in his shit. Like, right. I can't, I actually don't think I've ever been that close closer to, to another actor in a scene than I was. Like, we were like, our earlobes were touching. I'm like, wow. I know all your parts. This is really... So and the this fact takes that, this a day to shoot, or more than a day. Like, it took us... We shot it in a week. Right. Us, I was on that set for a week. So, yeah. um, it was super fun. All the guys on that set were great. Channing Tatum is a dreamboat. Yeah. And is everything you want a beautiful movie star to be. Um, and Matt Bomer is just such a sweetheart and so professional. And so, and I was like, if there's anything that's, you're, in, you know, I'm, I'm doing like a sensitivity talk with him yeah. on set. Like, cause I had to like be all over, like grabbing his butt and ripping his pants off and like all this stuff. I'm like, if there's anything you're I need uncomfortable to go back and watch with, that again. yeah, I'm like, if there's anything, you know, let me know. And he's like, girl, let's just go for it. I'm like, yeah. all well, right. You guys both have that musical theater background thing, which we is a little the- less... People are a little, you change in front of each other. Like, I used to perform in that way, kind of. And it's, you sort of, you, you get rid of a lot of that uptightness. Yes. And that's really fun. I just I just shot a movie that'll be actually out at Christmas called Kiss on Candy Cane Lane. Yeah. And the actor I'm in with it, I um, we're having, like, a steamy affair in it. And, um, you know, the, the first thing we shot together was, like, literally he grabs me, throws me on a desk, and we, like, heavily go at it. Right. And it was like, that's, it's the same thing. I just had to be like, look, let's, let's go for it. Like, we need to sell that, like, our characters have been, like, doing it. So we need to be really comfortable and, like, steam it up and turn everybody on. And I think we did, because it was, like, cut and everyone's like, that was good. Dot, dot, dot. What was Steven Soderbergh (laughs) like in Magic Mike? He didn't actually direct it, although he was on. He was the DP. He was the DP, and yeah. he goes under an alias, which yeah. is super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so all these people on set, there were 900 extras right. in that scene. 900 Because well, it was this marathon scene where every stripper yeah. had their focal moment. Yeah, and that's why it, it took a full, I think, I'm six sure. or seven days to shoot that whole yeah. sequence. So it was really intense. One of the questions in this deck, maybe it's not in this one, but it's what movie would you like to live inside? And my friend Danny, we were talking about the other day, or we were playing the game or something, and he said Magic Mike XXL. And it's obviously the sexy guys or whatever. But I think there's something about the spirit, especially that second movie, that I found very subversive and life-affirming, which is everybody, nobody's turn-ons or sexuality or body image, and nobody's judged. Everybody's allowed to sort of be turned on by what they're turned on. And it was a subtle thing, but I felt it so powerfully when I was watching it. I, yes. I kind of could write a thesis on this. I really thought that movie had was saying something really fresh. Well, that's, and it made you sexy. It made you feel sexy too. It turned exactly, you on. Exactly. Exactly. And I think I think that is very much a testament to Channing. Yeah. Um, you know, he is like 
I just, I really admire him because I think he's somebody, I follow a lot of what I think is his philosophy creatively, which is like, he knows he's real good looking and like everyone thinks he's, nobody's going to say Channing Tatum isn't hot, you know, let's be honest. Um, And he's got moves and he's got the whole thing. But I think also he understands that he's put here and he was given the opportunities he was given for a reason and not just to like be rich and have people telling him how hot he is. Like that he has an opportunity to really teach and, you know, educate through entertainment. And that movie is straight up so entertaining and so funny. Yeah. But also, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's like, there's oh. There's a of something that felt so fresh to me and so important. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. What are some of your other favorite film experiences? Um, I loved, I was in Selma. Yeah. And loved doing that. Um, I worked with Ava DuVernay. Yeah. And it was before she became, you know, the super, super famous goddess that yeah. she is now. Um, so it was still kind of, you know, even though it, it was a big deal cause Oprah was producing it right. and Brad Pitt's company was producing it and it was, you know, it was high profile for sure. But, um, you know, it, it was also like, we were all just excited at that point. Now, I mean, since then I've worked with like a dozen female directors, but at the time it was one of my first experiences working yeah. with a female director. And, um, it was very cool being on set with her. She's a really inspiring person. So and the hair is sensational. I mean, it's a lot. It's the silhouette. A lot. Her whole the silhouette thing. going through Her the whole set. Thing. Yeah. Her whole thing. And also she she's just, she's such an intellectual. Yeah. Like she's, she's, she'll, you know, I think she'll refer to herself like as, you know, kind of a nerd or something, which yeah. is hilarious. But she really is just like an intellectual who wants to just sit and read and talk about politics, which is fun because I just am like com- constantly scouring her Twitter and, yeah. and interacting with her. Seeing what's on her arm mind. Totally. Um, what scene, what was your, what were your scenes? I, um, so I played uh, LBJ's secretary. Nice. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was really awesome and everybody was great on that movie. So I just, I just found, I've had so many different types of experiences yeah. that, um, yeah. I love it. What's the dream? If you could shape your career in a certain way, what would it look like? Um, I would like to play a series lead on a television show that runs for many years. Right. Um, and ideally, a character that is, uh, well, look, she's going to be strong because I'm playing her, and so I don't play weak characters. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I think pretty much every woman is strong, like, let's be honest. Um, but, uh, you know, a Murphy Brown, a superhero... Um, you know, a strong, powerful, awesome, yeah, ball busting lady. Love it. Okay, here let's rattle through these questions because I got to get going. Uh, if you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you pursue? Directing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're into it. Yeah. What's your favorite song to dance to? Uh, I think it's not right, but it's okay by Whitney Houston. Right? She's yeah. sassy in that. She's had enough. It turns out. Yeah. yeah. What about singing? Do you do you wish you did more of it? Do you like it? Is it part I love of it. your diet? It's a part of my diet. Yeah, I do it every day. You do it when you can. Okay, yes. I love it. What was the first album cassette, CD, or MP3 you ever bought? The first album I ever bought was RuPaul's first album. Wow. Supermodel. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's really That's the kind cool. of girl I am. That's, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah. What was the first concert you ever went to? My first concert, I was a little girl, and my mother took me to see Cyndi Lauper. Oh, wow. Which I told her when I met her. When she came to see Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. And she thought that was the cutest thing. I was like, I dressed up like you. It was amazing. I There's been a lot of Cindy Lauper stories around this podcast lately. Some positive, some negative. Sounds like you oh, have a positive I, experience. Totally positive. Yeah. What's something your family did that you didn't realize was unconventional until you were a grown-up? 
Um, we didn't eat dinner together really, like yeah. ever. It was like an event when we did. And yeah. then I realized like when I was older, like, oh, this is something that families do together yeah. all the time. My yeah. brother and I still joke about that, that like that was not a thing. Yeah. Not a family of foodies not at all. Not a family of foodies. All mm-hmm. right. What song makes you cry? Oh, I hate sad songs. Yeah. And they're always, I, I feel like any like boys to men from the nineties, like yeah. anything like that. I'm just like, please stop. And I just, I, at this point I can't, I have to listen to up. There's too much. There's too much drama in the world, and yeah. I need I need vintage Whitney right. Houston. Exactly. Somebody just want to switch over to Level Save the Day. Yes. That's a Whit- that's early Whitney that I yeah. like. Okay, we're gonna save this last question for a quick Instagram thing. Is that okay. cool? Yes. Um, so uh, we'll wrap it up. But how can people find out more about what you do or follow you? Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram. It's right. at Haviland. So H A V I L A N D. Like it's like Disneyland or Dollywood, but right. it's Havi Land. Okay, I love um, it. And same on uh, Twitter, it's Miss Haviland, um, Facebook, Haviland Stillwell, and of course my website, HavilandStillwell.com. I love interacting with people, so if you guys have questions or liked anything or didn't like anything, like, hit me up. Let's talk about it. Let's have a convo. I love a convo. Um, When is... um Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws. Santa Jaws is premiering on Tuesday, August 14th at 9 p.m. on the Sci-Fi Channel. So please and watch. And hopefully it'll just run a lot. Like it's I, one of I, those movies. I think so. I, I think so. I know that they're yeah. that they're kind of, I think they're, I suspect they're wanting yeah. it to, to see how it does. So yeah. you guys watch it and let me know what you think. I love it. I hope it's a big hit. I love the collection of typewriters. What's the story? Read, my wife is a writer, and she has been collecting typewriters like Tom Hanks for yeah, years. Yeah, he does that so too. So we have, I yeah. think we have like 15 of them. They're really cute. They're sexy and Thank cool. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Do you ever hear the click, 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 click yes. here? And you're like, what's yes, happening? Yes, she writes, she, she writes on them sometimes yeah. when she kind of needs extra inspo. I think it's good because you can't, you have to focus in a different way. You can't, uh, that's, you have to be more deliberate. Gosh. That's what she says. Yeah, yeah, you do. I remember writing term papers back in the day, and it's like you had some liquid paper maybe, but you couldn't just like, I mean, it well, was Well, see, a, I never went through that, yeah, but I hear that, that it's like the whiteout yeah. situation. So, total whiteout situation. Yeah, my brother did, yeah. so I remember that. Okay, um, you're a delight. You are. You're an inspiration. You are. And here's my final question for you. Okay. The girl that was getting bullied back in the day, what would she think of your life right now? Oh my God, she would be like, I can't, I don't even, like, what is even happening right now? <laughs> she would be so, like, what do I need? Like, what's funny is that she would see it and it'd be like, but this is what your life's going to be. You just have to keep, like, doing your thing. And she would be like, well, what do I need to do to make sure? What do I need to, how can I? Don't even tease like, me like this. Yeah, I can't like, believe what it. What do I need to, I'll work overtime. <laughs> I'll do extra credit. What do I need to do to make sure? Like, yeah, that would be, that would be the deal. You got so. a little of that over, you had a little of the Tracy Flick. A oh, of- Yeah. Yeah, oh, I was afraid to say yeah. that, like you might be offended, but you're like, oh no, I'm on the... No, I was, I, there was, there's a lot of Tracy Flick in this girl, for <laughs> sure, for sure. So much fun to talk to you. Everybody watch Santa Jaws. I'm going to be right there. And um, this is great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks to Haviland Stillwell for the fun interview and check her out on Santa Jaws. It's uh, premiering August 14th. My friend Matt, who actually introduced me to Haviland... Uh, we're going to do a dive-in movie in his backyard because what's a better movie for a dive-in movie by a pool than Santa Jaws? So we're excited about that. Watch it. It'll probably be running more than just the one time, I hope, if they know what, if they know what's good for them. Uh, that's so fun. Okay, so this happened. I mentioned my friend Matt just now uh, in the dive-in movie situation. So last night we did, I think it was the first time this summer that he uh, had folks over. He was in the mood to watch Xanadu. I never question that when that comes over anybody. I'm like, I'm, I'm on board. 
So we watched Xanadu. A lot of people there had never seen it, couldn't believe how bad it was. I got tired of trying to defend its charms. I let it just, I let it just wash over people. But here's something kind of fun. Uh, my dog Enzo was there, along with a few of the other pups in the brood, and he got in the pool for the first time, which is very exciting. He's, uh, he liked it. He felt refreshed, and it was cute. And I was very proud. I was like a, a kid at a soccer game. You can do it, buddy. You can do it. But then, so he's sitting on the little Shea Lounge with me watching Xanadu. Olivia comes on with Suspended in Time. She just sings the beautiful ballad in one take. She's in some limbo Zeus netherworld with some neon. And she's surrounded by a yellow Xanadu aura, which is, you know, one of the big advancements in CGI, CGI that they made with this film. Anyway, she's kind of glowing with this yellow neon outline. Enzo growled through the whole song. Apparently, he doesn't like it when people have been Xanadu'd in post-production. Either that, or he can really see people's auras, and he knows a fake one when he sees one. Long story short, one of my favorite moments of the movie is just a simple pleasure of Olivia singing. And who can emote better in a song than Olivia? Like, one take Newton-John all the way. So anyway, he growled through the whole thing. My other friends that were new to it, they didn't quite get it. But you know what? I don't need it. I don't need it. It's enough that I love it. It's enough that you love it. Or if you don't love it, that's enough too. All right, that's all I have for this time. Watch Santa Jaws, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.